Welcome to the Central City Podcast. I'm Joe Graves, uh, pastor at Central City Church, and uh, excited to have you with us. Um, we're changing a few things on our podcast, so I wanted to let you know that. Um, we've started sharing our testimonies, our faith stories, every week in church, and we've decided to include these as part of our podcast so that you can hear um, real people talk about uh, their relationship with God in real ways. So at the beginning of the podcast, you'll hear a brief story, about four or five minutes, and then after that, we'll get into the sermon for the week and uh, whatever series we're in. So thanks for listening, and we hope that God meets you during this time. Oh, I'm sorry. So I've written this down for a couple reasons. One, so I won't ramble. And two, so I don't forget the important stuff. So please excuse me if I look down. I I apologize in advance for that. But uh, it just works a little bit better for me, and I hope it works a little bit better for you. So let's start with the basics. My name is Brenda Smith. My husband, Jim, and I have been attending um, Central City since the summer of 2021. We live in Hilliard, Ohio. I'm a retired social worker, juvenile court administrator, and Jim retired from White Castle as a business intelligence analyst. Our proudest accomplishment is being the parents of uh, our daughter, who is about to earn a PhD in Hebrew Bible at UCLA. Uh, Fortunately, she's with us today. She's here visiting from uh, Portland, Oregon. We found Central City through my part-time job as an administrative assistant for Thomas Alexander Insurance Agency, a little advertisement there. Uh, And that's the agency who uh, carries the insurance on Central City. Um, So I would, you know, do administrative stuff, and I kept on looking, like, Central City, that looks like an interesting place. And I would talk to Alyssa on the phone, and she was really nice, and... So I thought, well, you know, maybe we should check out Central City. So that's kind of how we come to to Central City. As super interesting as all of that demographic information is, let's get to the important and real reason I'm up here sharing my faith journey. First, let me say I have so enjoyed hearing so many of you share your stories. I've been amazed by your willingness to be vulnerable transparent, and in some cases, willing to share some of the most very painful events in your lives. Um, In short, I have admired your courage. It seems selfish to look forward to learning all about all of you and yet be unwilling to share about myself. So here goes. I was brought up in a Baptist tradition My parents were very good people who, like most of us, were flawed, but worked daily to be faithful the best way they knew how. I would say my faith journey can best be described as experiences that have forced me to ask hard questions of who and where I wanted to be in my faith. When I married my husband, who was raised Catholic, I knew my Baptist tradition would accept him but also would try to convert them to their truth. Fact is, I was very happy with him, and I didn't see any need for change. And 
I didn't want him to be subject to well-meaning Christians telling him he had to change, renounce everything he was taught as Catholic to be, quote, saved. I knew he would go on his own journey and make decisions about his own faith based on how God was leading and dealing with him. So we found a church where we could both be comfortable and raise our daughter in a strong faith tradition. My husband and daughter were free to go their own, on their own faith journeys. Maybe someday they will be willing to share those with you. Several years ago, my beautiful, loving, caring niece came out as a gay woman. I watched as some family members stepped up to pass righteous judgment on her. I saw the hurt and brokenness that resulted because of that judgment. The experience, that experience forced me to ask another hard question um, uh, that came as a result of a conversation I really wasn't even part of, but was recounted to me. Uh, my niece uh, was having a discussion with my nephew my niece was going through a particularly difficult time in her life. My niece asked her cousin, could I come to your church? I was told, he said, if you can't, then I need to find another church. The fact she had to ask the question about any church not only made me sad, but convicted me to ask that question of myself. Could I bring my niece to my church? And could she be who God created her to be? It shook me to my core that I couldn't answer that question with a resounding yes. Oh, sure, everyone would be nice enough, but I knew there would eventually be conditions uh, to full acceptance and participation in my former community. After a lot of thought, prayer, and many discussions with my husband and daughter, it was clear to me that we had to be able to answer that question, yes, because it was a very important question. We found Central City, and I'm happy to say the answer to that question is now yes. And I'm very grateful for that. And I'll just close with, um, some of you have shared your favorite verses, and so I'll share mine. It's out of First Chronicles um, 17. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. I pray that we can all be looked upon and said we have integrity. And I feel like I'm in a congregation of that. Thank you. Man, it's just great uh, hearing people's stories. So thank you so much for doing that. And uh, what a great challenge to all of you. To be, if you've received a story and it was meaningful, um, 
there's an invitation to, uh, to give back. So we'd love to get you on the calendar to share. And we have a little handout that explains you know, what that looks like. And we'd love to, uh, I'd love to talk with you. So you can fill that out. In fact, um, there's, there should be a Connect card in, in your pew or in one close to you with a pen. If, you, if you're interested in sharing your story, you can put a note on that and, and drop it in the Dropbox in the back. You can also use that if you're new with us. We'd love to connect with you. Um, online, you can go to centralcity.co slash connect if you want to fill out the exact same card in a digital format. Um, but uh, there's a place where you can let us know you're here, what you're interested in. There's also a place where you can let us know if there's something we can be praying for. So uh, be sure to take a, an opportunity to do that. Um, we'd love to reach out. A couple of uh, announcements before I get into the teaching this morning. Um, just a couple of things that I want to let you know. Last week, I had the privilege of serving in the nursery. And I don't know if uh, you all knew that yet, but uh, I'll be honest with you, I'd never served in the nursery before my entire life. Uh, pastors don't typically serve in the nursery. It's not something that's required of them. Uh, and uh, so you might be wondering why. Well, we, we need nursery workers. That's the, that's the you know, that's just reality. Um, we've uh, um, often have... Uh, there are weeks where I think we have more children downstairs than adults in the room, and, and you know, uh, so there's just a need. Um, I got to serve with Andy, though, and uh, she kept me in line, so it was, I don't think I did anything wrong, but we need nursery workers, so we were talking about ways to encourage people to serve, and one idea was like, well, you know, some churches actually require if you, if you have a child in city kids or nursery, then you're, then you, you're asked to serve a couple times a year. Um, it's a thing that one of the churches we've... Uh, 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 that we have a relationship with does. And uh, so that idea was thrown out. And I said, well, before we ever do that, if we're going to do that just out of a place of integrity, I, that includes me. And I realized that in the five years we've had Finn, he's a five-year-old, that's how that works, and um, uh, he's been at church almost every week. And I've never once uh, gave him back. So I wanted to experience that. And I, I have to say that it was really cool. If you've never served in City Kids, um, you know, there is a background check and you need to have attended for a certain period of time. So there's some checks and balances there. So not everyone can just serve if they're, you're a first time visitor. Sorry, uh, not an option for you yet um, for the safety of our children. But if you've never done and you want to, it's actually it was a really cool experience. I was watching kids whose parents I know, because they've been a part of our church for a long time. And you know, I, but I didn't really know the kids. It's not part of my personality. Um, uh, one is enough for me. And, but I got to hang out, and I felt a connection to our community in a way I don't when I preach. It was an extremely meaningful Sunday for me, even though I was completely oblivious that was up, happening up here, other than we did have the live stream on, um, which was kind of fun. We could hear the music. Obviously, we couldn't hear people teaching. So anyways, if you're interested in serving, Molly is easily the best children's person in the city, if not the world. She's a fantastic human being, and uh, I highly recommend it. It's a really pleasant experience, and the nursery is, is very easy, uh, especially if you serve with someone who knows what they're doing. So there's that. Uh, a couple of other announcements. I want to let you know we are using a journal for Lent. So if you haven't gotten one, there is one in the back. It's called the Encounter Journal. Um, we're in a series where we're looking at various encounters people have with Jesus, and we're really asking ourselves to think about the encounters we have with people. And so each week, we just have you list some of, your, some of the encounters that stand out. For me, I was thinking through, I mean, if I'm going to be honest with you, I've had some difficult encounters in the last couple of weeks. Um, there's been some conflict in my life. 
um, not with this, not with our community and, and not with um, my family, but outside of those realms. I won't get into it. But some of the encounters, some of my encounters with people were really um, difficult ones that I was writing out and reflecting on. And one of the questions that's in the book, um, and it's maybe one of the bigger questions, even if it's not every week, it's worth thinking about every week, was simply, where do you see the image of God in, in this person that you're encountering? And so if you've had any conflict in your week and you spend some time reflecting on where have you seen the image of God in that person, boy, that really changes you. So I really encourage you, you can do it online, go to centralcity.co slash encounter, or you can pick up a paper version and just, it's, it's not a daily thing, it's very simple. We just, every week, just take a few moments and think through your encounters and reflect on it. There's a number of questions that can help you do that. And so I encourage you to do that. Uh, a couple more things. First off, um, we are gonna do something a little different this Holy Week. Um, we've in the past done daily uh, readings, daily devotions on our podcasts. Um, uh, and we're going to bring that back just for Holy Week uh, this year. So if you want to experience Holy Week and really kind of hear the story of what happens to Jesus on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all the way leading up to Good Friday and eventually Easter, um, all you can do is you go to our website. It'll be up there um, uh, for that week of Lent, and or you can search on Apple, Google, Spotify for central daily readings. But it'll be specifically those days, and it'll post each morning uh, so you can follow along with that final week of Jesus's life before his death and resurrection. It'll be short, about 10, 15 minutes, but it'll help us kind of engage with that week and think about it through the lens of somebody who is living it each day. So um, I encourage you to, to get that on your radar. Along those lines, uh, on Holy Week, we'll be having a Good Friday service. It'll be right here. It'll be with uh, St. Luke's UMC, which is the, the church that we rent from in this space. Um, but Central City is gonna be taking lead on it um, so Ryan will be leading worship, and we're going to be doing some creative things that I think will be really meaningful. So, uh, plus, child care is available, so you can bring your kids, uh, nursery and uh, city kids, uh, downstairs. So it'll be April 15th, that's Good Friday, Friday before Easter at 6.30 right here. And I really encourage you to come. I think it'll be a really meaningful service. And then, of course... Uh, we'll have Easter that Sunday, uh, our service right here at 9.30. It's a great opportunity to invite somebody or to uh, set aside um, to make sure that you're here. It should be a really fun service. So those are some of the things I wanted you to be aware of. I'm going to pray. Um, I'm going to invite you to pray as well, to spend some time in reflection before we jump into our scripture reading today. Let's pray. God, I give you thanks that you're able to use broken vessels like myself, like each other, for your glory. That you're able to take uh, something that is uh, maybe not all put together and make it beautiful. I trust that you'll do that today. God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you. You are a rock in our salvation. I give you thanks. Amen. We've handpicked a, a handful of encounters. Stories where 
somebody bumps into Jesus and their life changes. The story we look at today is one of those stories that doesn't get preached on very often. We were talking about our horrible Bible stories before we uh, got started. I don't know if, if you all were around when we looked at some really kind of difficult stories in the Old Testament. Some of them aren't even included in the lectionary. If you don't know what that is, it doesn't matter, but they're not included. Um, this one's not as bad as that, but it's still, it's still on the list of like not favorite Bible stories that people have. Uh, Lissa specifically does not like this story, uh, I think. I don't want to speak for her. Lissa's my wife. She was mentioned earlier. She, well, we co-planted the church, if you're not familiar. So, but we're going to look at this story. It's not a great story. It's a difficult story. It's hard to handle um, for a variety of reasons, but I think it actually has something to teach us today. So Matthew chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, if you have your smartphone, if you want to follow along, it'll be on the screen as well. But Matthew chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 21 to 28. Jesus is ministering, um, and he bumps into somebody, and they have an interesting interaction. Let me just put it like that, interesting interaction. So Matthew chapter 15, 21 to 28. Here's what it says, verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, uh, pause there for a second. In the Mark account of this story, we learn that Jesus goes into a house and they're like eating or they're doing dinner or whatever. Matthew leaves that part out. I won't get into the reasons why. It has to do with Mark's um, uh, prophetic secret and all that sort of stuff. But Matthew leaves that out, and so we're not really given much more of the context. But uh, Jesus, he's going into a new region, and a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. We've looked over a number of different encounters, and a couple weeks ago I talked about how they often follow a very particular format. Um, usually uh, there's somebody who has a deep need. Remember we talked about Zacchaeus was, a, was an encounter, and his deep need was getting rid of his wealth. It was ruining his soul. It was an interesting sermon. I'm still wrestling with that one. If you didn't hear it, I don't necessarily recommend it because it really messed me up. Um, but uh, I'm just being honest. It really, you know, Zacchaeus as a healing story really messes you up if you start thinking about it. Um, but, uh, you know, they have a deep need, and they, they, they hear about Jesus, and they go to Jesus, and they ask Jesus for help, and usually there's something that keeps, you know, uh, people from, from Jesus helping them, usually the disciples or the crowds, or somebody's like, no, don't bother yourself with them, or there's just too many people, and so they have to overcome often the crowds or something else uh, in order to get to help, and so you see the same story. She has a deep need. Now, I don't, I don't know what your need is, I am still trying to put my finger on mine. <laughs> um, I shared earlier, I've had a, a rough couple of weeks. I've shared that with a few people. And I'm still trying to figure out why and what that means. And I don't know what you're wrestling with, but she had this deep need. She had a daughter. And I, I'll tell you what, there's nothing worse. I mean, there's one thing for you to suffer. It's another thing to watch someone you love suffer. Suffering terribly, it says. You know, and I, I think that's really at the heart of the story. Because I, you know, I'm like a worst case scenario guy. You could, you know, just beat me to death and I'll just like take it. But you mess, you know, you mess with my family and then all of a sudden it's a lot harder for you to be Jesus to people, you know? And, and I, you know, and then I got to work through my toxic masculinity and I know that made all the headlines and that's a whole nother conversation. But it's harder. And so here's this mom 
who's got a daughter who's suffering terribly. She's desperate. And here's what we know about her. She's not Jewish. Jesus was. Jesus' disciples were. People who followed Jesus were. Jesus operated in the context of a Jewish faith. The idea that Judaism would be open up to Gentiles in an inclusive way was not on the radar yet. That happens later. Even after Pentecost, it still isn't on people's radar. You believe that? Even after all of this, you know, Pentecost is a story where all these people with different nations and tongues and stuff come and experience the Holy Spirit and they're, they're saved. And even at that point, people are still like, yeah, but they're still Jewish, you know? So it's not even on their radar. It happens, much, it happens after that when Peter has a vision of eating food because food was all about, you know, who you got to eat with. Sets who you share a table with. That's how the Jewish faith worked. Who you share a table with is who you're in a community with. And the, and the people of Jesus, even at this point, were like, no, we share a table with other Jews. That's, that's who's in our community. All the way to the point where Peter has this vision. So at this point, Canaanite woman, non-Jewish person, not on the radar. Verse 23. Jesus did not answer a word. Pause there for a second. I, uh, one of the most difficult parts of the story is that, um, how do I say this? Jesus isn't the hero of the story. Like, Jesus doesn't look very nice in this story. This is why people don't like this story. You see it right here at the start. Now, we love Jesus. If I, my identity is a follower of Jesus. All other stuff aside, all the debates on theology and the nature of God, I'm like, I am a follower of Jesus. But there's a few places where Jesus does things where you're like, I thought you were nicer than this. And we're not even to the mean part yet. Okay, so, so we just have to, I'm just naming that right now. Like, Jesus doesn't look great in this story. And we have to wrestle with that, and we have to sit with that, um, because Jesus doesn't look great. I'm not going to defend Jesus, because I have a, a very interesting perspective on God. I don't believe God needs my defense. Okay, I know that maybe bothers people, but I, like, if God is God, God doesn't need me to defend God. God can defend God's self, you know? But, uh, but, but I'm just reading the story, and it's given to us. Now, here's what I want to say about this story. This story wasn't provided in the scriptures because it happened. I'm not saying it didn't happen. What I'm saying is that a lot of things happened. In the Gospel of John, I believe, says that so many things happened to write them all down would be a library of books. No, the stories were hand-picked to teach us something. So the question we have to ask ourselves when we encounter difficult stories like this is, what is it trying to teach me? What is the point here? And so the first thing we see is Jesus did not answer a word, which doesn't seem very Jesus-y of him. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. Now, friends, we've already talked about these encounters. You'll see it over and over again, either the disciples or the crowds. Somebody always tries to send the person who's in need away. Sounds like from the testimony we had today that the church is still doing that. Still happens, still our tendency these weren't the crowds. These were the, these were the disciples. These are the people who should know better, right? So, I mean, if we do it, if we do it as a church, it's just, this is, 
We've been doing it since the very beginning. It's our tendency to say, this person's a nuisance, send them away. They took Jesus' silence as permission to send this person away. Well, if Jesus wanted us to do something different, he would have spoken up. Twenty-four. Here's what Jesus says. <laughs> Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. There's not really an easy way around this, um, given the fact that she wasn't a member of Israel and not a Jewish individual. Uh, it's kind of a... Can you imagine... Falling at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus saying, not my problem. Whew. That's not the Jesus that I follow. So this is very, very, very interesting. 25. The woman came and knelt before him. Said, Lord, help me, she said. She's desperate. She's crying out, Lord, help me. And he replied, man, 26. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Ooh. Come on, Jesus. Do you see why people maybe don't, like, we don't preach on this passage. <laughs> he says, it is. In the, in the Mark's version of this gospel, they, they leave out a part. Um, in, the, in this version, they leave out a part from Mark's version. In Mark's version, we see that Jesus also said, um, I, I have to first serve the children of Israel and then the Gentiles. Like, that's, it, he doesn't say it quite as eloquently as that, but that's the implication. Like, there's some language differences between Matthew and Mark where you get the sense of it's like, no, I f first serve the children and then the dogs, so to speak. I want to pause there before we look at how this woman responds. I'm gonna to try to do something to help us make sense of this. Um, we'll see if I can figure it out. Morning, Alan. Um, is the, I'm gonna share, I'm gonna to try to share my screen here, but I gotta make sure I'm connected to the right internet. Yeah. Is my uh, computer awake? We're gonna see if technology works, because I, I want a dry erase board and I don't have one, so we're gonna do a digital one here. All right, here we go. All right, dry erase board. Everyone can see it. Online, you can see it, hopefully. I want to tell you the story of Scripture. We're going to pause from our Scripture passage. I'm going to tell you the whole story of God working in the world. This is how it actually works. This will actually make us, help us make sense of the story a little bit better. What you have in the story of Scripture is you've got in Genesis chapters 1 through 11. Um, this is a timeline. Genesis 1 through 11, you've got Adam and Eve. Uh, they mess up. Uh, there's the fall. They have children. Their children kill each other. Things aren't starting out well. Um, it's, it's human brokenness. And that spirals all the way to the point of Noah's flood. And at that point, you know, everyone is, uh, um, uh, 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 he wipes all of humans off the face of the earth and starts over. So it's a Genesis 1 over again. He starts with Noah's family. Doesn't get any better. Turns out humans aren't that great at doing what's right. That's how the story goes. And so what happens is God decides to do something different. Up to that point in Genesis 11, God's working through all of God's, like all of the people at the same time. But then through this thing called the Tower of Babel, he, you know, God, there's these nations that form. All of these different people. And so here's how the timeline splits. 
you've got all of these people coming out. All right? You see this, how this timeline works here, all these people? This is my wonderful drawing here. All of these people, and you have all these different people groups. And here's what God decides to do. Now, you can decide whether this is a good idea or a bad idea. That's between you and God. This is what God decides to do. God says, I'm not going to work through all of humanity anymore. I'm going to work through, I'm going to set somebody apart. I'm going to set a people apart. And I'm going to begin to, like, change the world through a family. Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation, and I'll bless you, and through, through you, all nations will be blessed. And so what we see is God beginning to do something new with Abraham right here. And that is the story all the way up to where we find ourselves with the cross. Jesus interacting with this woman, you know, within a year or months or weeks before Jesus dies on the cross and rises from the dead. God decides to work through this individual family to change the world. Now, eventually, what's going to happen is after Pentecost and after this meal, and Peter says Gentiles can be a part of the people of God as well, the idea is that all of these nations come back together and just, you know, at this point, you know, it just includes everyone. Everyone's in, you know, we're living on the side where, like, God is working with, anyone can be a part of God's family. You could be adopted into the family of God. But here's my point. This woman is following this line. And her story bumps into Jesus' story before the cross. And what Jesus is saying in Matthew and in Mark's version of the Gospels, he's saying, hey, look, this is God's plan. God's plan is to work through the people of Israel to bring salvation to the world. And, and we're real close to that. I'm going to add a little bit to Jesus, what Jesus is saying. I'm going to assume Jesus' heart here. We're real close to that. We're not there yet. Cross hasn't happened. Pentecost hasn't happened, but we're real close. We're just going to, the floodgates are going to open, and, and anyone, you could be a Canaanite woman, you could be LGBTQ, you could be a eunuch, you could be whatever, you know, and it's open. It's, you could be a part of God's family now. We're almost there. But not yet. We're, we're not quite there. He says, I got to do this first, and then I'll deal with you. You can turn that off. Well, this is how she replies. He says, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. It's not your turn yet. Verse 27, yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Her story bumps up into God's plan, but her, she's not a part of God's plan yet, according to Jesus. She's not a part of it, but her story bumps into it. They intersect. They have an encounter. And Jesus is like, it's not your turn yet. And she says, well, it should be. We live in a world where God is able to work through anyone, where the floodgates are open. But I'm here to tell you that there are people and there are times 
that people feel, regardless of what's theologically accurate, there are times when people feel that they're not part of God's plan. Have you ever felt that way? Like God's plan's happening over here, and you're just kind of lost in the wilderness. You're like, I, I, I want to be part of God's plan, but I don't feel like I am anymore. I, I have a friend who was uh, raised Catholic and um, uh, uh, we're a part of a, a group together that focuses on writing, and I, we were trying to find a place to meet, and I said we could meet at the church if people were okay with that. And uh, she said, uh, she said um, yeah, we could probably um, meet at the church. I don't think I'll spontaneously combust. And she was joking. But was she? It's possible to feel like your life doesn't fit into God's plan, you know? And Jesus as much as, and here's the thing. I hate the fact that Jesus says what Jesus says, but here's what I, here's what I love about it. If, you, if you've ever felt like God was doing something without you, that's exactly what it feels like. So thank God it's in there. We can wrestle with it. We know we're not alone because it's exactly what it feels like. Even the dogs eat crumbs that, that, fall, that fall from the master's table. And here's what Jesus says in response. Verse 28, then Jesus said to the woman, woman, you have great faith. Here, here's a fun fact. Next chapter, Jesus is talking to his 12 disciples, the ones who, you know, should have it all figured out. You know what Jesus says to them? Why do you have such little faith? The fact that those are right next to each other shouldn't be overlooked. Here's this woman who bumps into the story of God, maybe before her time, and she says, I should be a part of it. And Jesus says, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Here's why I think this story's in here. I don't think it's in here just because it happened. I think it's in here because it's supposed to teach us something. If you feel like God's not giving you a fair shake or, or God's ignoring you, theologically, I could come here and tell you that that's not the case. Theologically, I could say, you know, hey, God isn't ignoring you. God is always there. God loves you. I could tell you all of those things. But if you're feeling that, this story is probably more helpful to you anyways. And what we see in the scriptures over and over again, God had a particular plan where he was working through the people of Israel, but man, every time someone outside of that plan bumped into it and wanted to be involved, you know what God ultimately did? Sometimes they had to argue like this woman, but, but sometimes they don't even have to argue. God just calls them every time though. God says, okay, come on, jump on. How much more so now? Wherever you are, whatever you're struggling with. There's this beautiful example in Scripture that we often forget. It's, it's the bulk of the Psalms where people are arguing with God, wrestling with God, angry with God. And I'm here to tell you, God is not uncomfortable with that. In fact, here's how I read this story. I think, and this is my interpretation, so you can... And 70% of what I teach is right, and the other 30% isn't. So you can do what you want with it. This is, this is my interpretation. Here's my, I think Jesus said what Jesus said because he knew this woman would stand up for herself, and he wanted her to. He knew what she was capable of. He knew which, how she could assert herself and say, hey, no, me too. And you know what? This is the best part about the story. The crumbs that fell off the table that she was eating, 
were enough to heal her daughter. I was thinking about that. Even crumbs from Jesus is enough. <laughs> I couldn't help but think about that because we're going to do communion here in a little bit. And the way we do communion, you don't get much more than a crumb. Although I did, there's some big pieces here today, friends. <laughs> but even crumbs that fall off the table is enough. There's this uh, movie, uh, uh, I, I don't necessarily recommend it to you, but it's called The Apostle. It's about this uh, Pentecostal apostle, uh, Robert, uh, oh, what's his name? Duvall. Yeah, I want to say De Niro, and that wasn't right. Robert Duvall, um, <laughs> that would be an interesting story. That would be a different story. <laughs> Christy's seen it. I don't know if anyone else has seen it. Um, but there's this great scene where he gets really mad, and he's yelling at God up in his attic, and somebody calls their house, and I think his mom or his wife answers, I don't remember, and they, you know, they, they, there's this really beautiful line that has stuck with me, and I think it's, it's a beautiful picture of this story and a beautiful picture of much of the Gospels, where it says, you know, sometimes he prays to God, and sometimes he yells at God. It's welcome. Your honesty, your fear, your anger, your sadness, your grieving, it's welcome. And if you go to God and say, hey, I want to be a part of this too, God will say yes. Every time. We'll find a way. We'll widen the stream. We'll figure it out. Come and be a part of it. Today, as we share in communion, um, we'll do it a little differently than what we have been doing. We do have the prepackaged uh, ones, if that's something that you're uh, uh, particularly interested in. Um, but we also have uh, uh, some bread that's been cut and, um, and these little individual, uh, uh, for COVID purposes, we're not going to dip in, so we have these little individual cups as well. And... Um, I do want to invite us to come forward as you feel led. I, not yet, but in a little bit. And uh, you can let me know. We have some gluten-free options as well in this box. You can just let me know what you have, and, and I'll share with you the body and blood of Christ. Um, I don't know where you're at or what you need, but the crumbs from Jesus are enough. God is able to meet you right where you are and bring you out on the other side. And I give thanks for that. Let's pray. God, we come before you. We ask that your Holy Spirit would fall on these gifts of bread and juice and make them be for us the body and blood of Christ. That we might be the body of Christ. That we might live as one with each other and one with you. You might pull us together and that we might be people that are willing to hear the voice of those who are crying out, Lord, help us. I want to be included too. And that no matter how we respond at first, that you will help us shape our hearts and our minds to come around to compassion and grace. That your plan includes us all. I guess all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to spend some time reflecting. You can sit. Um, if you want to come and take communion, you can certainly come up at any point. 
um, and, and do that as you feel led, and there'll be plenty of time for everyone to come up as you sit and pray and reflect.